Today we are jumping back into a sermon series uh, that we have entitled Clashing Kingdoms. And in it, we have been studying uh, the, the last uh, few events, the last events there that, that lead to Jesus's res- lead to his arrest and his crucifixion. And Jesus has come to Jerusalem, and he has come as king. And so a decision has to be made. Are we going to worship Jesus and, and praise him, or are we going to sing our own praises and worship ourselves? That's a decision that has to be made here in Jerusalem. That's also a decision that has to be made even today. Are we going to be people that worship Jesus as king? Uh, we pick back up in our series in Matthew chapter 23, and we see Jesus teaching about and to the scribes and the Pharisees there at the temple, mostly this time at the temple courtyard just outside of the temple overlooking Jerusalem. Uh, Nick is going to come and read for us some selected passages. I'm not going to give him the whole chapter to read, um, but some selected passages for us out of Matthew chapter 23. And so as he comes, uh, let us pray. And Father, we thank you for your word. I pray in this moment that we would quiet all other voices and we would tune in to hear you and that we would listen and that we would obey. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Yep, Matthew chapter 23. Um, then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes, Uh, and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. They love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called rabbi by people. But you are not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher, and you are all brothers and sisters. Do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You are not to be called instructors either because you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Moving to verse 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing See, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. How do you say that word again? Phylacteries. 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 Say it again. Phylacteries. All right, we'll go with that. I love it. That's a hard word. I didn't even know how to say it when I was studying. I'm like, okay, we'll go with what Nick says. So that, that's good. I, I, I love that. <laughs> um, I want to start with a confession this morning. Uh, I, I have a difficult time uh, finding 
clothes that fit off the rack. I'm a, I'm a bit of an awkward like body type, I, I think. And, um, and so it's difficult for me. And I, I hate looking like my clothes are too big or too small. And so I've got a few little uh, life hacks that I've figured out that work for me. Um, one of them is that I get all of my, my pants, whether my, my pants or my jeans, I get them at Uniqlo. Now, I'm not necessarily endorsing uh, Uniqlo, but what I love about the store is that uh, they actually have a, a, a place where you can get them tailored right there in the store, right? And so you can drop them off and get them hemmed for you. Uh, now, they have all of their pants are set to 34 inseam. Um, and so if you're taller than 34 inseam, Uniqlo's not going to work for you. They can't add to your pants, but they can definitely uh, take away. And so that works for me. Um, something else I'm trying out recently, and the jury is still out whether um, this is going to be a fit for me, is, is Proper Cloth. Um, proper Cloth is an online clothing store where uh, you have a profile, and in that profile you can put in your measurements, and then they produce clothes for you based on, on your measurements, shirts, pants, jacket, whatever you may want. Now here in New York, they actually have a, a showroom that you can go to, and someone professional can measure you and create the profile for you, which is what, what I needed, because I didn't know how to do any of that. Also, you can look at the materials they may use to, to uh, even maybe try on some samples that they have for you that you may want. And so um, I'm trying it out right now, and they have guaranteed me that they will create for me the perfect fitting shirt, right? Um, I'm on my fifth iteration of that shirt. <laughs> uh, they, keep, they keep trying a little bit harder to get it right, and they're, they're guaranteeing me it's going to happen. I'm, I'm convinced that when it does, then my profile will be set, and I'll be ready to go, and I'll be able to click a button and get whatever clothes I want, and it's perfectly, it's going, it's going to fit me, right? Um, as I was studying um, this, this uh, chapter this week and just listening to the Lord, I have to admit that I was a, a little bit convicted. Because Jesus is speaking about these religious elite, these scribes and these Pharisees that are more concerned about how they look and what's on, what's on the outside than they are concerned about what's on, what's on the inside. And Jesus is, is really getting at the heart of what their worship is about. They are worshiping themselves. They're creating an environment, especially here at the temple, where it is all about them. And so therefore, they have to look the part. They have to look holy. They have to look righteous. And, and Jesus cuts to the quick of it. He says, we need to know what's going on inside. That actually is what matters. It's not just about the outside, but what matters on the inside is concerning to him. And so Jesus begins to talk to his newly formed church, these, these newly forming church, these crowds and these disciples about the scribes and the Pharisees. You can read it with me in verse one. Then Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Therefore, do whatever they tell you and observe it. But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. Now, just to help you understand what's going on here, the chair of Moses is actually a seat of status that says they are in a teaching position, right? It's not a literal chair, but what they are doing is taking the law of Moses and they are now expounding upon it. They are teaching upon it. And they're doing so in such a way that Jesus is saying, whatever they say, if they're talking about the law of Moses, then follow it. 
But more often than not, they are expounding and adding to whatever the Bible is saying. And they're making it very difficult for people to follow God. And so Jesus says, don't do what they do. Listen to what they say, but don't do what they do, right? And then he continues on with, with this thought. He says in verse 4, they, they tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders, but they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They cannot even live up to their own standard. They, they, they teach, but they teach in such a way that they can't even do what they teach, right? And the motive behind all of it is they're trying to create the appearance that they are the ones that are holy and everybody else is not, that they are the one that is righteous and no one else is. They're setting a high standard that seems to be that they are the only ones that can achieve it. We understand their motivation in verse five. It says, they do everything to be seen by others. They enlarge their phylacteries, yep, and they lengthen their, their tassels. Now, these phylacteries were um, these little boxes that are on their wrists, and in those boxes um, were passages from the Torah. And that's a good thing. I mean, it's the Bible. They're carrying around pieces of the Bible with them. But Jesus says that they enlarge them, right? For no reason at all, except to be seen by others, they enlarge them so that they can be seen to be as people that are more holy and that they, they love God more than other people because they have large Bibles that they're carrying around with them, right? That's what you see here. Jesus also says uh, that, the, that the tassels have been, been lengthened. These would be the, the fringe of the rabbi's robe, that these have been lengthened. It'd be common to what we would know as a Jewish prayer shawl today, where we see these tassels representing people that are committed and devoted to prayer. And so they lengthen these, these tassels to say that they are a praying people, that they pray a lot, and they love God's word a lot, but they do all of this for show. It's all for themselves to be lifted up. You see, they are the center of their worship. It says in verse six that they love the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and they want to be called rabbi by people. They love that. They do all of this, why? In verse five, they do everything to be seen by others. Jesus, he exposes their hypocrisy. That for them, it's all about what's on the outside and What's on the outside doesn't match up what's on, what's on the inside. And so Jesus is moving these crowds and these disciples, his newly forming church. He's moving them to a different place, away from hypocrisy, away from just measuring things by what is on the outside. And he wants to move them into a spirit of humility, that the new church that he is forming is really about not seeking after your own status or your own selves, or making it all about you, but it's all about who? Jesus. Verse eight, he gives us some practical advice. But you are not to be called rabbi because you have one teacher, and you are all brothers and sisters. Do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. 
You're not to be called instructors either because you have one instructor, the Messiah, the greatest among you who will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus, he says, there's three terms that I'm now going to outlaw in this new community that I'm forming, this new church that he is building. There's three terms that I don't want you to use anymore. I don't want you to call one another rabbi. I don't want you to call one another father nor instructor. These are all basically the same thing. And what he is saying is, I don't want you to go after a certain status where you are trying to achieve authority, where you are trying to be the one in charge, where you are trying to be the one that makes it all about yourself. Now, I have to admit, like I sometimes feel weird uh, when people call me pastor. Um, I, I know we say that in church culture, right? Um, I get it. I get that uh, that's a sign of respect often uh, for someone that may be a, a pastor of a church. Um, but I want to say that at the same time, I have no authority in the title itself. The only authority that I have is from Jesus himself. The only authority that I have is given through the Holy Spirit. And what we believe at One Community Church is that any Christian has been given the Holy Spirit. And so we've all been given authority, right? I think the term pastor and what I'm stepping into and what I I operate into is more about my responsibility that, that God has called me to care for a people. That's what I see this as, not as something where I can now lord it over and make it all about me and my power. No, it's for me to be a servant and to serve and to, to, lift up, to lift up others. This is the humility that Jesus is getting at, that we should not be looking to lift up ourselves, but yet we should look to be servants, trusting that Jesus himself will be the one that exalts us when we need to be exalted. It's not something that we do ourselves. Jesus does that for us, that we are exalted in him. Now, this sounds great, right? This sounds like a good, a good people to be a part of, that we would not be focused on what's happening on the outside and, and, and truly be concerned about what's going on in the inside, and that we would seek humility amongst one another. But if we were honest with with each other today, we probably find ourselves a little bit too much like the scribes and the Pharisees that are outside and doesn't seem to match up too much with what's going on inside. And so what I want to do is just give us some space to just let the Holy Spirit work inside of us today and maybe expose some things that are there. I've been praying about today because this is going to feel a little bit heavy. I'm just going to say that up front. We're talking about sin today. And I know it's one of those things that is difficult to talk about in community with other people. Because we don't want to look like broken people. We don't want to look like sinners. Matter of fact, you might be sitting next to someone and saying, if they only knew what was going on inside, they would they would not want to be sitting next to me, right? Like there's some of that brokenness that is there that we're just ashamed of. And it's, it's difficult for us to even, to even know how to 
know how to process. And so I know as we walk through this next part, I know it's going to be fairly um, heavy for us. So a couple things up front. I, I want you to know that this is a safe place. That though there is a judgment from the Lord, discerning right from wrong, there's also love and grace, right, from the Lord. I want you to know that. I want you to know that he, he is condemning sin, but he doesn't want to condemn you, right? He loves you. He's committed to you. So this is a safe place. And I want you to know that as we work through this, that we're, we're not going to end with you just feeling bad about yourself. That's not what this is about. Now, this is about finding healing and hope. There is hope, and we will get to that today. But I want to take a moment just to, to deal with some of that. Um, for those that are around Young Life, I know Evan, we grew up together going to camp. And uh, this, is kind of, this is that night where we did the sin talk, right, where it got pretty real for a few minutes. And so I want to take us through um, the, the seven woes that Jesus speaks to the Pharisees and the scribes. I put them on the screen for you, um, because there's a lot of them. There's seven of them. It's a lot of verses, and we're not going to dive into every particular um, verse um, in depth, um, but I do want to summarize some things so that we understand what's going on here in context. And I put them on the list so that uh, we can keep, keep up, up to speed on them together. So these are woes that are spoken to the scribes and the Pharisees. There are two groups of religious people that cross over somewhat, Uh, The scribes and the Pharisees both are committed to the law. The scribes are teachers of the law. And for the most part, all of the scribes are Pharisees. The Pharisees are keepers of the law. And sometimes they they are scribes. But, But Jesus speaks woes to them, these people that are not thinking about what's going on inside of, of who they are. Woe in its original Hebrew form is a is a word that has just consonants, no vowels. So it's kind of like a, a, a cry of pain and anguish, like ah, kind of a, a sound, right? We, we we heard it earlier when we read it in Isaiah chapter six. Isaiah says, Woe is me, for I am unclean. My lips are unclean, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips, right? We read that earlier. So we jump in, in this together. And I'm going to summarize these seven woes, each of them, but ask a question at the end of each of them so that you can listen to the Holy Spirit. The first woe is found in verse 13, keeping people out of the kingdom of God. That's the first woe that Jesus says to the scribes and Pharisees. He says, woe to you, Scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you don't go in, and you don't allow those entering to go in. The Pharisees, they rejected Jesus. He was the only way to heaven, and in doing so, he keeps, they keep others from knowing Jesus. And they also make it a very exclusive club, where only the, the righteous that look like them can get in the ones that are doing all of the right things. So as you're thinking about what's going on inside your heart, I want to ask you this question and just let the Holy Spirit speak for a moment. Are you seeking to exclude people from the kingdom or are you seeking to include them? I told you it's going to be kind of heavy. Well, number two, 
was a passion to convert others to false teaching. Uh, This is found in verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to make one convert, and when he becomes one, you make him twice as much as a child of hell as you are. The Pharisees and the scribes, they were committed to making like many, like little Pharisees and scribes, like little disciples of themselves. They wanted other people to look just like them. It was all about them, right? And so the question I have for you today, and just listen to the Holy Spirit, does your life point people to Jesus or something else? Does your life point people to Jesus or something else? Uh, Woe number three, the lack of spiritual perception. This is verse 16 and 17 I'm going to read for you. Um, Woe to you blind guides who say, whoever takes an oath by the temple, it means nothing, but whoever takes an oath by the gold of the temple is bound by his oath. Blind fools, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctified the gold. Now what's going on here is a little bit tricky to understand, but uh, these Pharisees and the scribes, they are being led around by their oaths. Uh, and they're oaths that don't quite make sense. They're, they're making an oath by the temple. They're making an oath by the gold of the temple. And they just don't make sense. And Jesus calls them out for this. It says, this is not the way to be led around. And he calls them blind guides. They are unable to be spiritually led. So question for you today, as you think about what's going on inside, as you peel back, the outside and look in. Are you truly seeking to be led by God? Or do you let other things lead you? The fourth woe is being concerned with what is trivial while neglecting what is important. Okay, this one hurts a little bit. Verses 23 through 24. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You pay a tenth of mint, deal, and cumin, and yet have neglected the most important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These things should have been done without neglecting the others. Blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but gulp down a camel. These Pharisees and these scribes, they are focused on the tithe around like herbs and spices more than they are on the most important things. That would be doing justice, showing mercy, and being faithful. So question for you, are you concerned with what is trivial while neglecting what is most important? Woe number five, being spiritually unclean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. And this is pretty, pretty interesting. Jesus uses a singular Pharisee here, not the term Pharisees. He says, blind Pharisee. It's, it's written as if it suggests that Jesus is like singling out one Pharisee who's maybe, maybe cleaning out his cup. <laughs> he says, blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup, 
so that the outside of it may also become clean. They only cared about their outside appearance and didn't take care of what was going on inside. So question for you, do you have sin that you are ignoring? Some things that are going on that you just have become maybe even complacent with, just okay with, some sin in your life that you're just overlooking or being okay with. Well, number six, being spiritually dead. What do you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs which appear beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of the bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you seem righteous to people, but inside are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. We get this. Question for you. Do you have areas in your life that you haven't, haven't given over to God? Do you have places in your life that you just haven't given over to God? They're just some dead areas where you aren't seeking him. And finally, um, this is the last woe, and we're thankful as this is difficult to hold on to all of this. The seventh woe is thinking you are better than others. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we wouldn't have taken part with them in shedding the prophets' blood. Now, of course, this is ridiculous. The Pharisees and scribes say that if we had been alive back then, then the prophets of old would not have been killed. Well, Jesus is standing right in front of them, and he's about to go to the cross and die because of them. They thought themselves better than others. So for you, do you have pride? Do you have arrogance? Do you think of yourselves better, yourself better than others? Now, that is heavy, I know. It, it, is, it is hard to even work through some of that, and it was difficult to study even this past week um, as I felt just like ripped open before the Lord just working through some of these, of these verses. And so the question really is, what do we do? <laughs> as God exposes our sin, what do, we, what do we do with that, right? Do we just like get over it? <laughs> just move on? Yep, that's me, I'm a sinner. Do we just get like, I don't know, do we just get complacent with it? Say, well, that's how it's always going to be. I'm just always going to mess up. And so let's just figure out how to live life. I think Isaiah gives us a picture of what it could look like. Isaiah chapter 6. We read some of this together in our call to worship. He says, Woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live... Among a people of unclean lips, because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of armies. We read that together this morning. And then check out what happens next. As he cries out, he, he cries out to, to God in confession. And I want you to understand what confession is. He's, he sees God for who he is. 
John's gospel tells us that Isaiah is actually seeing Jesus the king. And so he sees God for who he is. He sees Jesus and he sees his sin and then he confesses. He confesses his sin. It's not that confession is me revealing to God my sin like, like so, because he already knows about it. It's not that you have to make God aware of your sin. That's not what confession is. No, confession is agreeing with God about what is sin, right? Isaiah sees who God is, and he sees his brokenness, and he confesses, I am a sinner. Woe is me. I am, I am ruined, and I'm a man of unclean lips. And watch what happens here. Verse 6 Then one of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hand with a glowing coal he had taken from the altar with tongs. He touched my mouth with it and said, Now this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed, and your sin it is atoned for. This is beautiful. We are so thankful for the throne that the king sits on. We're thankful for his holiness that we get to see who God is in his glory, we're also thankful for the altar that makes a way for us to be able to be in that moment worshiping the Lord. Because at the altar, the coal is taken and it's placed upon Isaiah's lips, the very thing that he confessed. My lips are unclean. He's met with the restoration of the gospel. This is a picture of the cross. This is a picture of what, Jerusalem, of what Jerusalem looks like for Jesus. Why he has come to the cross and to die is so that our sin can be made clean. We don't confess without hope. We confess because we know that in that confession that Jesus himself is meeting us through the cross and he is making our broken places clean. You see, there's a place for us not just to, not to overlook our sin, not just to, just to say it's okay, but for us to grieve our sin, for us to lament our sin, for us to confess our brokenness. Why? Because in that, we find healing. <clears throat> we find healing in the cross. When we come and approach our sin in humility, and confess and lament. I want you to see this picture of Jesus at the end of Matthew chapter 23, because I think it's important. Because this is all difficult, what we've just read. We, we have we've seen some difficult things. But I want you to see beginning in verse 37. I think we got it there. <clears throat> Jesus has had a couple of difficult days in Jerusalem at the temple. And now he's pulled away, more than likely, by himself, away from the crowds and the disciples and from the scribes and the Pharisees, and you see his heart. It reminds me of being um, at camp. I mentioned it earlier, um, our Young Life camp that we go to, and um, it was a long day that I had with with, uh, one of the camps that I went on. And I got back to the cabin. The cabin bell had just rung, and all the kids were supposed to, like, it's time to go to bed, right, when the cabin bell rings, or at least you think it is. And so I, I go back into the cabin. I get, like, my shower done, and the bell's rung. And so I get into the place where we're all supposed to be sleeping, and 
all the boys are, are gone. <laughs> None of them are there. <laughs> They've all escaped. <laughs> and I've got to go find them. Like, I have to go out into the campsite and, and round up the, these high school boys. And I'm, I, by this point, I'm just furious, right? It's been a long day already. I'm having to find them out in the woods. I can barely see. I don't have a flashlight. This is, this is not good. Finally, I get them all kind of back in the cabin, and they're just not going to sleep. They're like staying up, eating candy, playing with their, passing around the basketball. One kid's got like a whole box of like, like cookies, and he's just like standing up beside his bed, just eating them. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? And I, I, just, I just lost it. And I like went over there, and I slapped like the box of cookies out of his hands. <laughs> I felt terrible immediately. Um, like I'm the worst camp counselor there is, right? <laughs> And um, I went and found the, the, the director of the camp and just, like, sat in the room and on their couch and just kind of cried about, oh, man, why did I do that, right? They helped me out a little bit and said, you know, you've had a difficult day. <laughs> and, yeah, maybe you shouldn't have slapped the cookies out of the kid's hand. <laughs> but it's obvious that you love these kids. You brought them here. He went and found them in the middle of the night. <laughs> like, you're still here. It's obvious that you love these kids. Now, we come to this part of the chapter. Jesus has just got done speaking woes to these Pharisees <clears throat> and to the scribes. And then you see Jesus. You see his heart. It's been a difficult few days at the temple. He's turned over tables. He's calling people out. And then verse 37, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones, those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. Your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not See me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. How often I wanted to, to gather you together. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry. <clears throat> How often I wanted to gather you together. Like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. I think that's the picture that I want to leave us with today. That Jesus loves us. His heart is for us. And he wants to gather us together in our brokenness and our sin. He wants to pull us together under his wings. Your sin is not there so that um, you can feel bad about yourself. Your sin is there so that you can repent, confess, and turn to Jesus, knowing that he is the only way. I want to take a moment just to come before the Lord. Um, the band's going to come, and they're going to play. And um, I just want us to come before the Lord and, and speak to him. What's going on in your heart? 
letting go of all the outside things and all the outside trappings, what's going on inside of who you are? Jesus wants you to bring that before him. He wants to hold you close like a hen holds their chicks. He loves you. He's proved that he has loved you because he has come to Jerusalem to die. To die for your sin. There is hope found in the cross. So we come today with our brokenness, with our sin. Not as hopeless people, but as people that are trusting in Jesus. We're going to respond in song, but um, after we get done singing and after the service is over, if, if any of you want to meet and talk, I'd love to spend some time with you if you want to pray. I know as we have talked about this, this can feel kind of heavy. So I'd love just to make myself available for you. God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you that you have shown us your love. God, I thank you that you um, restore those places where we are broken, those places that we have sinned. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the cross. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.